to the Giles Files, and my name is Nancy Giles. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Happy New Year to everybody! Happy New Year to the Giles Files! We've been rocking and rolling this podcast. We've had some great guests, we've dropped some thought-provoking commentaries at you, and of course, proselytizing our razor-sharp political gems on you in song. So, let's kick off the new year and share some of our best. One, two, three, one, two, three. Is this on? Is this on? First up, one of our favorite thought pieces. Have you ever been in line and there's one person in front of you and then someone saunters up and starts talking to the person in front of you like they're friends? And you're like, okay, well, they're just friends, they're talking. And then before you know it, the friend is now ahead of you and ordering something. It's it's happened to me and depending on my mood, I'll say, what's going on here? Yeah. I don't know why, but when you say what's going on, it's like, it's a clarion call for like police or security or something. That's my civil way of saying, what the fuck? Every Wednesday, I work for Food Network at Chelsea Market. And there's a really great place where they make tacos. At this taco place, there's two separate lines. First you pay, they give you a slip, then you have to go hand your slip to like the taco chef and he'll do your order. So I got my slip and I found myself right behind the girl who jumped in front of me. And I said, you know, you jumped right in front of me and made your order. I was in line and she said, oh, turn around and said, well, I was there before. I just, I stepped out of line to check something and I was there before. And I said, I didn't see you here before. And she said, well, that's your problem. How is it my problem that you appeared from nowhere and I stopped in mid-sentence and thought, this is even absurd that I'm arguing with her. And I said out loud, she's privileged. She's just exhibiting her privilege. She heard that part. And she turned around and she said to me, oh, are you saying I'm privileged because I'm white? And I said, that's a start. (laughs) Yeah. And then I stopped talking to her and I heard her continue to yammer behind me. I took my slip. I went to the taco guy. Now, I think he took my slip ahead of her because then I heard her say, oh, look at who's privileged. She just jumped in front of everybody online, which I thought was kind of ironic since she had just done the same thing for me. But I didn't talk to her. I just turned my back and waited. And then the taco chef made my two carne asada tacos, which is what, what, what I get every Wednesday. I love those. And he handed me an extra plate with two chicken tacos and said, miss, take these. And I said, oh, no, no, I only ordered the carne asada tacos. And he goes, no, really, take them. So I'm automatically making up this story in my head thinking he overheard that whole exchange between me and that nasty girl. And I don't know whether he did or not, but he was very insistent about me taking the extra tacos. And I said, no, I'm trying to lose weight. And he was like, oh. And then this other girl, younger white girl that was next to me, she was looking at the tacos and she said, well, if you don't want them, I'll take them. I said, go ahead, take them. She said, really? I said, yeah, go ahead. Thanks. It was this nice little turnaround of something nasty that then was nice, and then I felt like I was able to pass it on. But the bigger thing is, just going back to the question, I almost asked the girl and then stopped, how is it my problem that she was not in line and then sauntered into the line? Am I supposed to logically 
get to the line and know that she had been there from before? Am I supposed to have intuited that she left the line and then came back? But the ease in which she said, that's your problem, that's what so stunned me. It wasn't my problem. She was the problem. All you had to do was apologize. I think I did say that. If you just would say you're sorry or just be civil about it, it would have made a big difference. But she shifted into high gear and started shrieking about how horrible it was, of course, that I said that she was privileged because she was white. Um, what's going on in this country with people being civil and being just plain polite, I'm sorry, excuse me, you didn't see me before, but I really was here, my friend will vouch for me. Where did that go? Why did she go into overdrive like that? Here's a definition of the word civility from Tomas Spath and Cassandra Donkey, who are founders of the Institute for Civility in Government. Civility is claiming and caring for one's identity, needs, and beliefs without disregarding someone else's in the process. Amen. We hated talking about, you know, he whose name we will not speak. But he was everywhere. Man, he was ubiquitous. We just couldn't help it. Donald G. Trump and his stupid tweets. Almost 35,000 tweets. 20 million followers. He can't help himself tweeting. Donald J. Trump. People are pouring into Washington in record numbers. Bikers for Trump are on their way. It will be a great Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yeah, right. Donald J. Trump. The same people who did the phony election polls and were so wrong are now doing approval ratings polls. They are rigged just like before. What's going Donald on? J. Um, what are you reading? No, I'm nothing. I'm just, I heard Trump. And you know, he's, he, we he, said this we didn't, we didn't guy want to talk can't about him. stop tweeting, and we it's like give him a platform I'm, on with our all of the jobs I am bringing back into the U.S. Just check this out. Even before taking office, stop with all it. the new auto plants coming back into our country, and with the massive that, cost Mike. reduction. No, wait, let me finish. Wait, I have. Give me that. I have, we had an agreement. Taking credit stop for it. this joke. Give me. Just give it to me. and his posse to go to prison this christmas i keep forgetting to get a tree watching breaking news on msnbc for hours this christmas i'm too pissed off to hang the lights they're finding illegalities left and right maybe by this Mass incarcerations, we'll see. Off you go, ho, ho, ho. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. He paid off a porn star and a playboy bunny. Shut down the government and that ain't funny. We're the losers. This Christmas, I can't focus on buying presents. I'm too busy dreaming about his prison sentence. Lock him up! This Christmas, orange jumpsuit to match his face. Mugshots with that nasty hair for his base. Money laundering with Russia. Ooh wee, impeachment will be Christmas. For me, 
from the White House to the Big House. My head is pounding from all the lies. For all we know, Melania is a Russian spy. Robert Mueller, I'm begging you, make my Christmas wish come true. Do you swear that the testimony you're about to give before this committee will be the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? Chairman Cummings, Ranking Member Jordan, and members of the Oversight Committee, thank you for giving me the time to explain my side of the story regarding Individual One, a.k.a. President Donald J. Trump. Best if I start from the beginning. I met Donald Trump at a high ally game in Miami. Me and some of the gals were on an eight-hour layover, and we decided to check it out. Mr. Trump was sitting right next to me and offered to get me a beverage. I was feeling a little faint from the heat and had forgotten my salt, so I said yes. Well, he came back with an enormous spiked lemonade, which was just the ticket. One time, he invited me out on his yacht. We had a couple of drinks, and I ended up telling him about my short-lived career as a hair colorist back in Kentucky. Of course, I didn't tell him that I had been banished from Lexington. Well, then Donald said that he was just plain old sick and tired of his hair color and needed a change. Well, you know, something fun. Well, he offered me $1,000 for a single treatment, so of course I agreed. I tweaked my recipe about hoping to lessen the damage. Well, it came out beautifully, and Donald was quite pleased. What do you call that shade, sweetie? Without thinking, I said, ginger honey. He gave me a playful slap on my behind, and I became his personal hair colorist from that day forward. This new evidence raises a host of troubling legal and ethical concerns about the president's actions in the White House and before. Well, everything was going along just fine until Donnie decided to run for president. All of a sudden, I had to fly everywhere with him. Every other week, he wanted a treatment. I thought, this can't be good, even at $1,000 a pop. Finally, I said, Donnie, I'm beginning to think all those treatments aren't safe and that I really shouldn't do them so often. Bullshit, he yelled. Ginger honey's going to get me elected. You'll do it, and you'll like it. What is the strongest memory you have? Mr. Trump was starting to act nuttier than a squirrel turd. I mean, he'd always been a little eccentric, but I was starting to think those chemicals were seeping right through to his brain. And as much as I tweaked the recipe, I did start to notice a little thinning. Folks from his staff and the press were coming up to me and asking what exactly my hairstyling process was. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you that Mr. Trump gave me a check for $15,000 to keep quiet about the coloring. As a trial lawyer for many years, I've faced this situation over and over again. We are in search of the truth. I'm ashamed, but I just kept telling people. Mr. Trump says I work magic with a blow dryer, which usually got a funny look from some people, but it shut them up. 
Well, after that windy day Air Force One incident back in February 2018, I got nervous. I guess doing all those treatments so often, I didn't realize how bad things were getting back there. Well, then I get a call from Don Jr. No more purchase orders for peroxide, Ginger Honey. You're fired. You'd think, after all those years, Mr. Trump would have had the common decency to fire me himself. Anyway, Mr. Chairman, despite the hush money payment, and I do happen to have a copy of the check right here. This check is dated August 1st, 2017. Six months later, in April of 2018, the president denied anything about it. I feel it's important to come before the committee and tell you that although Mr. Trump may have been one sandwich short of a picnic before, the chemicals in those treatments couldn't have helped matters any. I know that Fox and Friends thinks that I should be put in prison for subjecting his tiny pea brain to all those toxic chemicals and putting the entire country in jeopardy. But honestly, his elevator wasn't getting to the top floor way before I met him. <sighs> Thank you for your time, Mr. Chairman. And I welcome any questions the committee may have for me. If we agree on nothing else today, I hope on a bipartisan basis we can agree on how much courage it has taken for you to come forward. How does a narcissistic, bad-tempered bigot of a dude collude his way into the top slot talking rot? More often than not, was it a Russian plot? The man trashes everyone, but Putin's a blind spot. His father built his dollars by housing discrimination. The son's university was a ripoff. No graduation, no education. That school had no accreditation. But people still voted for the son to lead the nation? Called Mexicans rapists and drug dealers and never apologized. Stereotyped Muslims as terrorists with outrageous lies. Said blacks lived in hell and our schools were dead. But posed with Omarosa to give him street cred. For years he tried and tried and tried to delegitimize our first black president, a hero in my eyes. Said Obama flunked Harvard, his birth certificate, a joke, and Barack founded ISIS. What the fuck, is that man on coke? He defended white supremacists, Nazi sympathizers, pardon Sheriff Joe, an immigrant demonizer who broke the law by illegally profiling Latinos. But we know he's really anglophiling. Donald Trump's a simpleton. Just saying Donald Trump's the crazy one. Man, look at all the damage he has done. And all that hate, he's full of hate. He's, He's a, a flim-flammer, a major money scammer. Bitches take your last dollar and give it to the white collar. And what about Comey, my homie? And he's making himself rich. And now we're going to drop some knowledge on you. Know your damn history. Sing it with me. Know your damn history. One more time. Know your damn history. That's right, because we got some classical in there. Know your damn history. Action! Hooray! 
Hold up. A popular misconception is that the film industry began in Hollywood, California. Nuh uh. It all started in Jersey, baby. Fort Lee and West Orange, to be exact. The Hollywood before Hollywood was Hollywood. In West Orange in 1891, Thomas Edison was hanging out in his lab, inventing cool stuff, when he came up with the kinescope. Aha! A forerunner of the motion picture film projector. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, here's how it works. A strip of film is passed rapidly between a lens and an electric light bulb, while the viewer peers through a peephole. Yeah! Behind the peephole is a spinning wheel with a narrow slit that acts as a shutter, permitting a momentary view of 46 frames passing in front of the shutter every second. The result? A lifelike representation of persons and objects in motion. BAM! The world's first movie camera! And then, in 1893, Edison built the Black Mariah, a one-room shack covered in dark tar paper, the first movie studio. Quiet on the set. Mariah's still there in West Orange today. Go check it out. Edison was no fool. He took out patents on all his cinema stuff, and his Jersey-grown startup was the birth of the modern film industry. And then, in 1907, Tommy E. shot his first flick in Fort Lee, New Jersey. Why Fort Lee? It had everything. Hills, waterfalls, farms, steep cliffs for cliffhangers. All baffo backdrops for his directorial debut, titled Rescued from an Eagle's Nest. And dig this. Fort Lee was just a hop, skip, and a jump by ferry for New York's bevy of Broadway stars. The town blew up, and by 1918, at least 11 major studios were green lighting all over the place. You couldn't walk down the street without knocking over a Klieg light. Don't know what a Klieg light is? <laughs> Look it up! Know your damn film history! But I digress. <clears throat> Silent movie stars like Mary Pickford, the Keystone Cops, Rudolph Valentino, the Gish Sisters, and Lionel Barrymore could be found on various film sets creating hundreds of studio jobs for the Fort Lee townies. As stagehands, set decorators, extras, carpenters, film cutters, the town was jumping! But sadly, all good things must come to an end. According to the Fort Lee Film Commission, by 1918, some crazy stuff went down. On the East Coast, it was one of the coldest winters ever. And on top of that, there was a coal shortage because of World War I. They couldn't heat the studios. It was a cinematic catastrophe. <coughs> and if that wasn't enough, the Spanish influenza epidemic showed up, uninvited, shutting down the studios. The final nail in Nosferatu's coffin. Enter stage left. Hollywood, with its constant sunshine and cheap land. Go west, young man. And the studios did. God, home, country.
That's the motto of the Daughters of the American Revolution. A nonprofit organization founded in 1890, the DAR works to promote historic preservation, education, and patriotism. Every member must have direct lineal ties to a soldier or to other important dudes and dudettes who aided in the cause for independence during the Revolutionary War period. In 1939, the DAR famously barred Marian Anderson, a world-renowned African-American opera singer, from performing at Constitution Hall. That blatant bigotry pissed off First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt so bad, she renounced her membership to the Daughters, and then hooked Sister Marian up with a bigger and badder concert in front of the Lincoln Memorial. It was off the chain! Well. Time has a way of righting wrongs, and ever so slowly, the Daughters of the American Revolution implemented changes to their policies. They expanded their membership, they recognized the contributions of minorities, and they expanded their definition of those whose work was considered to have aided our country's earliest fight for freedom. In 1977, Karen Batcher from the Motor City, that's Detroit, was the first African-American woman to join the DAR. Google her, she has a cool story. In 2012, a new chapter was formed in Jamaica, Queens, right near where I grew up. So hey, I gotta check my roots, cause I just know I'm in. Dr. Olivia Cousins, who's an officer and member of that same Queens chapter, she said, my parents understood that they were Americans and that they were a real important part of the American story. Her Revolutionary War ancestor was a free man of mixed race, a soldier who joined the rebelling colonists when he was just 17 years old. Cousin said, I'm a part of this country and my presence needs to be recognized. You're damn right. And now, Back to the drama in D.C. And to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, I extend to you this gavel. Thank you. Nancy P. The P is because she got the power. 78 years young and stomping down the halls of Congress in those four-inch pumps. You know, Nancy's in a situation where it's not easy for her to talk right now, and I understand that. But we have to have border security. Mr. President, please don't characterize the strength that I bring to this meet as the leader of the House Democrats. Oh, snap! Did you hear that? One of the things that happens there is human traffickers. Where they grab women, put tape over their mouth, come through our border, and sell them. Hold up, hold up. That's a scene from the movie Sicario, Day of the Soldado, released in 2018, directed by Stefano Solima and starring Benicio Del Toro. You can't fool me, I'm Nancy G. But I digress. This is not a wall between Mexico and the United States that the president is creating here. It's a wall between reality and his constituents. 
his supporters. He does not want them to know what he's doing to Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security in his budget proposal. He does not want them to know what he's doing to clean air and clean water and the rest in his Department of Interior and of EPA. He does not want them to know how he is hurting them, so he keeps the subject on the wall. He's a master of diversion. Nancy P. The P is because she got poise. Take it from Alexandra, her daughter. She'll cut your head off and you won't even know you're bleeding. <laughs> That's all you need to know about her. <laughs> I think she is very bad for our country. She wanted to win a political point. I happen to think it's very bad politics because... Oh, really? Come on, let's anchor ourselves into reality. Nancy P. knows what she speaks. After 32 years in Congress, as the only female Speaker of the House, twice! I always think that whatever the president says about us, he's projecting his own unruliness. He's a projector. Nancy P! You're inspiring Nancy G and Nancy W. Don't ever underestimate the power of the Nazis! I welcome everyone to this confirmation hearing on the nomination of Mr. Judge Chairman. Brett Kavanaugh. Mr. Chairman. To serve as Associate Justice. Mr. Chairman, I'd like Supreme to be recognized for a question States. before we proceed. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized to ask a question before we proceed. The committee received just last night, less than 15 hours ago, 42,000 pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to review or read or analyze. You are out, you're out of order. I'll proceed. We cannot possibly move forward, Mr. Chairman. I extend this a very warm welcome to Judge Kavanaugh. We have not been Judge given It was the month of September. That month I'll always remember. Yes, I will. Cause that was the month that jurisprudence died. It died. The fix was in before it started. The GOP could care less, and my brain's done departed. And Trump's working overtime to bury the truth. And, and I, I just stared at that TV, TV and, and I said, we got to send Republicans home. They'll lie till they die and legislate like clones. If we don't vote them out, due process soon will be overthrown. It's our responsibility as citizens. Get your head into the midterm zone. Who's running, where they stand, take time to learn, don't be thrown. Get your head in the game. We can't let this election be blown. Vote smart. And now, two badass women who took the road less traveled. I see myself as a potential reconciler on the American scene. Time will tell whether or not this will be so. That was Shirley Chisholm, the no-nonsense Brooklyn-born educator, activist, author, and groundbreaking politician. 
She made history in 1968 as the first black woman elected to the United States Congress, and again in 1972 as the first black woman to run for the Democratic Party nomination as President of the United States. I stand before you today as a candidate for the Democratic nomination for the presidency of the United States of America. I am not the candidate of black America, although I am black and proud. I am not the candidate of the women's movement of this country, although I am a woman, and I'm equally proud of that. Although Shirley Chisholm didn't get the nomination for president, she was a force to be reckoned with. She remained in Congress for 10 more years and continued her work as a tireless advocate for her Brooklyn constituents. You don't make progress by standing on the sidelines, whimpering and complaining, Chisholm once said. You make progress by implementing ideas. And the idea that a woman and a woman of color could be president of the United States has clearly inspired a generation of female activists and politicians. I am the candidate of the people of America. Check us out on Instagram. You'll see some of the new women of Congress posing under this painting of Shirley Chisholm. Everybody's trying to look cool with their hands on their hips. Among Shirley Chisholm's honors, the Presidential Medal of Freedom, a forever stamp, which I have. I'll show you a picture of that on Instagram too. She's gonna get a monument in Prospect Park, Brooklyn, the first woman so honored. And coming soon, Viola Davis will produce and star in The Fighting Shirley Chisholm, a new movie for Amazon Studios. You want to know more? Read her biography, Unbought and Unbossed, and check her out on Google and YouTube. Shirley Chisholm was an American shero. Now, back by popular demand, it's another edition of Know Your Damn I just binged watched the series Mad Men, seven seasons of the mostly men and two women in the all-white world of Madison Avenue advertising during the 60s. There are a couple of splashes of color here and there as elevator operators, short-term girlfriends, and protest marchers. By the end of the series, a few black women were secretaries, and one had risen through the ranks to be office manager, but there were no people of color in the rooms as copywriters or agency executives. But in real-life Chicago in 1969, at the North Ad Agency, a black woman named Barbara Gardner Proctor was in the room. And when an idea for a hair care product consisted of parodying civil rights sit-ins with women doing a foam-in, Proctor didn't dig it. She said, I would never do that. And she was fired, but she wasn't done. She regrouped, borrowed money from friends, and talked the Small Business Administration into lending her $80,000 to fund her startup. She called her agency Proctor and Gardner, using her maiden and married name, and she made history as the first black woman in the United States to start her own ad agency. It was 1970. So let's retrace the birthing of this legend. 
Barbara Gardner Proctor studied English and education at Talladega College in Alabama and breezed through in three years, earning a teaching degree. When she found herself stranded in Chicago after spending all her money on a shopping spree for clothes for her first teaching gig, she got a job at the Urban League and later volunteered to organize a messy record store owned by Sid McCoy. Sid, who was also a talent scout for VJ Records, was so impressed with her work, he had her write liner notes for his label. In 1962, now as VJ's PR director, she traveled to Europe and swapped records by the Four Seasons, a VJ act, for a then unknown group, the Beatles. Translation, it was a sister that first brought the Beatles to the U.S. way before Ed Sullivan. So show some respect. Can I get a witness? Wow. Her first ad agency job included writing copy for Pine Soul Cleaner. More agency gigs followed before that fateful hair foaming firing, which led to the creation of Procter & Gardner. Her first client was Jewel Foods, a Chicago supermarket chain, which I remember because I used to shop there when I lived in Chicago. They had some good bargains. At their height, Procter & Gardner represented Kraft and Sears, but Barbara Procter refused to represent lucrative products like cigarettes and liquor, which she considered detrimental to women and black people. That's right. She was a registered Republican who was mentioned by President Ronald Reagan in 1984 during his State of the Union address as a small business success story. Barbara Gardner Proctor was 86 when she died on December 19, 2018. We love this quote of hers. You can only do it when you don't know that you can't do it. Right on, Barbara Gardner Proctor. These two musical commentaries speak for themselves, so pay attention. We're dropping some knowledge here. Brothers and sisters, and friends, and I see some enemies. <laughs> I didn't hear a word she said. I was, I was looking at the James Brown wig. <laughs> Republican responses now today called you the typhoid Mary of the Obama White House. I'm sorry that that disgusts you. You're shaking your head. At some point, April, you're going to have to take no for an answer. Stop shaking your head again. One insult makes April Ryan stronger. Sean Spicer can't make her feel I leaked nothing to nobody. And when you accuse Susan Rice, you better know you're going to fall. She was an NSA patriot who did her job and made ignorant men feel small. No sweat girlfriend will make them crawl. I love James Brown. And he acts like a jerk to 
Discussing the real issues of this country. I don't like Bernie. He got crazy eyeballs. He keep jabbing his finger. He look kind of rumpled. He claim all. College will be free. Not one single detail that you students can see. He won't stop yelling. He say health insurance. He go. Won't cost you nothing. His boys trolling on Twitter. He said, "That's not my fault. They're not me. Not a new idea since 1973. Get it together, all you Democrats, even AOC." in Congress, Bernie ain't done nothing. He don't like folks with money, cause he jealous of money. He say one and one and one is three. Bitch too spoiled us for to give support to Hillary. Get it together, lefties and centrists. You better listen to me. And now, with pride in our past and hope in our future, we are proud to present. I want to dedicate this song to a very special man. We love you, we thank you, and we will always be proud of you. There's gonna be a change. I feel bad for my life. <laughs> It's gonna be real cruel. Gonna be so different. Gonna cut like a knife. We had a, a brilliant president who tried to represent and reach his hand across the aisle. But the GOP, they just wouldn't see. 
Close their eyes, told their lies, refusing to act reasonably. With help from KGB, they hacked up Hillary. And lazy folks didn't vote. Did vote. An orange troll stole the job away. I'm stupefied, just can't find words to say. Obama, don't go away. I'm talking about Barack Hussein Obama. Who makes me proud? Yeah, yeah. So cool, conservatives run for the months. If we want to make the world a better place, kick Republicans out and launch them into space. Huh? Na 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 na. That's right, that's right, that's right. Kick him out, kick him out. First of all, having served as the Attorney General of the State of California, the work that I did is a model of what our nation needs to do and we will be able to do under a Joe Biden presidency. You know, almost every day, those insurrectionist Republicans do something gross and sleazy. But see, there's just one thing. Kamala never, ever does nothing gross and sleazy. She always does it precise and tough. Now, President Biden's got to clean up their mess. And it ain't gonna be easy. But Kamala's got Joe's back. And she'll smile, kick ass, and be tough. So here's a shout out to this Alpha Kappa Alpha sister. She's rolling, rolling, rolling round the White House. She's rolling round the White House. Wow! That's right! So let's go back to when Kamala Harris was the Attorney General of the State of California. She forced the crooked banks to pay back money they ripped off from poor families. Yeah, they gotta worry, bad boys better worry, pissed off every criminal she's ever seen. And justice keeps on turning, and Kamala's gonna keep on burning. While she's rolling, rolling, rolling around the White House, she's rolling. Rolling, rolling round the White House. She's the beep, 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 wow! So then Kamala went from California to Capitol Hill, Washington, D.C., I Check this out. She worked a good job in the Senate. Old school politicians said she's nasty and mean. Challenge all the white boys, put them in the hot seat. Barr and Kavanaugh couldn't hack her scene. But justice keeps on turning. And Kamala's gonna keep on burning. Now she's rolling, rolling, 
rolling round the White House. She's rolling, rolling, rolling round the White House. She's working as a beep, 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 wow! And it is within our power, and if we use our vote, and we use our voice, we will win. A Jamaican and South Asian sister, working for the people every night and day. Proud and justified, a brilliant legal mind. Now Joe Biden's got her right by his side. And justice keeps on turning. And the mother's gonna keep on burning. Well, she's rolling, rolling, rolling around the White House. She's rolling, rolling, rolling around the White House. My sister is the beep, 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 ow! Yeah! And for our finale, The Giles Files showcases two geniuses expressing themselves as only they can. This is the playwright. Uh, Ma'am, would you introduce yourself, please? Your name? My name is Faith Elise Villanueva, and I'm nine years old. Faith, what's the name of our play? uh, It's called Lost Twins. Can you describe what the play is about? It's about two characters. They're both brown lollipops, and they are twins, but they're not twins to each other. They're twins, but they're twins are somewhere else. Um, that's why it's called Lost Twins, and so they basically go. They get fired from their job because uh, of what they're saying about it, negative things. And then they go to a French fry bar, and they they want to trick people to get sugar so everything can be nice. Because before it used to be nice and pretty, now they're all um, now it's bad. Remember when they used to be nice and smiley emojis? Now they're all just angry poop emojis. He emphasizes on the P, so he gets, now they're just all angry poop emojis. How did you get the idea for this play? So, um, I, me and Chelsea were eating the lollipop. So we had lollipops. I love lollipops. I just don't like the root beer ones. And they didn't have a good world, so that's why they, that's why they had the brown lollipop. And now today you're officially a member of the 52nd Street Project. Yep. Faith, how does that feel? It feels amazing because you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that um, your dreams would actually come true. So recently, Bosco and I took a car ride to the vet for his checkup. And here's a little audio sample. <laughs> We're almost there. <coughs> We're actually not almost there, but okay. <coughs> yeah. Bosco, it's not going to be that bad. I swear. Just a couple of shots. And you have to get your nails clipped. Okay, it's all right. Okay. Please note that no animals, especially not Bosco, were harmed in the making of this recording. Well, that's our show. The Giles Files was created by Nancy Giles and Nancy Wyatt, produced, directed, and edited by Nancy Wyatt, and recorded at our studios in Weehawken, New Jersey. A very special thanks to Craig Shea for his technical expertise, and to Michael Houston for her hilarious hairdresser, Ginger Honey. 
Be sure to check out The Giles Files on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And write us a review. Tell us what you think. We want to hear from you. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Giles Files, okay? Oops. <laughs> a Huda Media Production. <laughs>